Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to begin at verse 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 17. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. In the following directives, I have no praise for you. For your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are some divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anyone else. One remains hungry. Another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat of this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A person ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats or drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment upon themselves. That is why many of you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further direction. This is the Word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. Now, I hope if you were preparing for communion, you didn't just hear this read and go put it away. That's, there, there has been a, in our time and many ways that this passage has been misread and misused. And I know people who have for years not taken communion because they felt like, oh, I, I can't. It says right here, I've got to make sure I'm perfect. I've got to make sure that, you know, I, I don't have sin. I've got to make sure, and, and I'm, just, I'm not 100% sure, and so I'm just not going to take. I want you to lean in with me today. This is good news. 
And so I want you to lean in and hear this, okay? All right, well, today we're going to continue, and uh, we're going to look at Habit 5 again, Part 2. Last week we talked about cutting the rope, but there was a, a part in there that I just couldn't get to that was so good and has been just messing with my heart and my brain uh, as we went through this that I said, you know, we've just got to pause here. I've got to come back to this and we need to begin to look at the adjacent possible. I know I told you I couldn't get to everything that was in the book, Win the Day by Mark Batterson. If you want to hear even more, this I'm still not going to get to everything. So if you want, if you're enjoying the series, you will love the book. So pick it up and uh, read through it and you'll see. But Pastor Mark Batterson is a pastor in Washington, D.C., and as he talked about last week, we talked about cutting the rope, and we talked about how uh, Elisha Otis, the inventor of the, ele- not necessarily the elevator, but the elevator safety brake, and this beautiful thing that he did where at the World's Fair in 1854, he constructed inside a building an elevator system that you could see into, and when He began to get everybody's attention. He had someone come and cut the rope with an axe or a saber or something. And it began to fall, but it only fell a few inches. And he was able to show that this thing worked. But what he wasn't aware of, he just wanted to sell elevators and sell elevator safety brakes. He wasn't aware of the adjacent possible. The adjacent possible. Possible. Now, let me show you what the definition of the adjacent possible is. Let's move to that next slide. Pastor Mark says the adjacent possible is the thing that makes something else possible. And so this cutting the rope and this safety break engaging became an adjacent possible. Last week I told you that uh, not many people wanted to live on the top floor in apartments. Back then, the real estate market in New York City for top floor apartments was terrible. Five floors was about as much as they could do. And most people paid the least amount of rent to live on the top floor. Why? Because you'd have to walk up and down flights of stairs to go in and out of your apartment. If there was a fire uh, and you're on the fifth floor, that's not very fun. And so uh, it was just really hard. But when the elevator came into being. I want you to see this. I I thought this was just fascinating. Let's move to this next slide. This is a a picture of New York City in 1850. You can see most of the buildings are about the same size. I tried to count the little tiny dots. It's about five. Five floors. You can see a few things, mostly uh, steeples of churches that might go above five floors. But the only thing up there is a bell, and there's a long rope, and people stand on the ground to to ring that bell. This is where they were. But when the safety break made the adjacent possible, it began to change. And 50 years later, this is what the skyline of New York City looked like. That's way more than five floors. And then jump ahead just another 70 years. And look, the safety break was the adjacent possible for the skyscraper. And it's gone. I don't even know if Elisha Otis could even imagine something like the Burj Khalifa. Let's move to that next slide there. That is almost a half mile tall into the air. Did you know it's so tall? This isn't the adjacent possible of the Burj Khalifa. It's so tall you can be on the ground outside and watch the sunset. 
Then you can run inside, catch an elevator made by Elisha Otis still to this day. Take it up all the way to the top. And it's so fast you can watch the sunset again. That's the adjacent possible of the safety break. But the rope had to be cut to find out what that adjacent possible is. Let me make this a little more personal for you by telling a little story about our adjacent possible. Last week, I I told you that Lori and I, when we felt called, both of us felt called to move to Northern Ireland, that we had to cut the rope. We had to begin to sell all our possessions and get ready before we even had that visa that would allow us to go to Northern Ireland for Lori to get her education. And there were many, many things that I could tell you all about But I want you to know when we cut that rope and we moved, we moved into a little apartment in Monkstown, Northern Ireland. Let's see that picture there. I just wanted to show it to you, make it a little more personal. We move one slide over there. This is 50 Tynan Drive, just north of Belfast, Northern Ireland. This was our apartment that we rented, sight unseen had the most uncomfortable beds you have ever slept on. In fact, we were so desperate and so poor, we we wound up going out and getting an inflatable full-size mattress to throw on top of the other mattress so that we could sleep at night. It was 13 miles into Belfast, and so I'd walk a mile or two uh, to the train, and then I would take the train and move in, but it, and, and all the way into Belfast for work and those kinds of things. But Because we had cut the rope and because we moved into 50 Tynan Drive, then we got to meet Pastor Fred and Maureen, who lived not too far from us. And they were a part of a little Church of the Nazarene. We have a picture of it. Skegeneal Church of the Nazarene. Can we move to that slide there, Harold? Skegeneal Church of the Nazarene. I don't know if you can see the little woman there with the kind of purpley sweater on. That's Maureen and her husband, Fred, right behind him. And they would pick us up. Every Sunday, it was the ride of our lives because Fred would get to drive in and Fred would get to telling stories. And sometimes he wanted to make eye contact with you when you were telling stories. (laughs) But we always made it and they always drove us home. And little did they know. That in that time of being there, of having the rope cut and seeing the adjacent possible of 50 Tynan Drive and, and seeing the the adjacent possible of Skegeneal Church of the Nazarene. Little did they know that God had been wrestling with my heart about was I to be a therapist for the rest of my life or was I to lean into the ordination that the church had given me. And it was there at Skegeneal Church of the Nazarene that we had a pastor who was still a student. And so they needed someone to give him a study week. And the board came and said, would you just preach, give him a week off, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, would you do that one time a month? And I said, yes. And to see all of that beginning to take place when it became the time for us to move home, there was a church in Portage, Michigan, who was looking for a pastor And the adjacent possible says, you thought you were going to Northern Ireland for education. 
But the adjacent possible happens when you move in to 50 Tyne and Drive and you meet Fred and Maureen and, and you, you end up at Skegeneal Church of the Nazarene and, and you begin to see God move there and the church board asks you and you begin to see the fire rekindled of how much you loved being with people and proclaiming God's good news week in and week out. I don't know what your adjacent possible is, but I hope you're, you're kind of getting the concept. Because we need to look, let's move to that next slide, we need to look at the adjacent possible. Because when it comes to the good news, the good news that the New Testament gives us is that because of the resurrection of Jesus, the adjacent possible means everything is possible. It is the ultimate adjacent possible. If death is no longer to be feared, everything is possible. And it has been that way all through Scripture. I mean, all the way back to the very beginning when God was talking with the humans who had just rebelled against Him. I loved what I read from John Wesley who said, even in the the judgment There was already the hope of redemption. As he talked about to the woman, he said, Your offspring and the snake who has tricked you will be at enmity with one another, but there will be one who will crush the head of the snake, but his heel will be bitten. And we begin to see that even from there, the adjacent possible continued because God was in the mix all the way through. God continued to make the adjacent possible a possibility and reality. And when we get all the way to the New Testament, we begin to see that the air that was spoken about in Genesis comes to be in Jesus, our Savior. And when he walked out of the tomb after that death, the adjacent possible is possible for you and is possible for me. Whatever you are facing, we can trust him and cut the rope and know that the adjacent possible is here. The Gospels proclaim that all the way through, but the book of Acts is actually... It's really the story of the adjacent possible going out into the world. We see that the, the, the Christ at the very beginning is raised into the heavenly realm, fulfilling one of Ezekiel's prophecies of one, like the Son of Man, ascends to the Ancient of Days on a cloud. But then we begin to see that those fishermen... The adjacent possible now means they become apostles, those who go out and preach and teach what Jesus is saying. The book of Acts begins to see that now the promise that was made to Abraham, that through him all the nations of the world would be blessed, begins to happen as the church begins to grow, not just among Jews, but also among all the non-Jews. And a lot of things begin to take place. And Acts just spells this out beautifully as the church reaches from limitations in Jerusalem all around the known world of its day. It became the adjacent possible. Then we get to the letters. Everything after Acts, all the way through the first part of Revelation, the letters then are an intimate look at pastoral correction when churches forget the adjacent possible. 
Because that's our tendency. We're so steeped in who we are that sometimes we forget that there was one who walked out of the tomb and makes what we think impossible into the adjacent possible. And these letters are corrections all the way through. Unfortunately, we have made the epistles, the letters, we have made them into a grab bag for goody verses and promises. <laughs> like, uh, you know, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Uh, this is a good verse. It's not bad, is it? But if we just rip these all out of context, we miss the pastoral implications. We miss that these letters are trying to bring a correction to churches who have forgotten the adjacent possible of the resurrection. I love what Dr. Tim Mackey says. We have a quote here. I want to read it to you. He says, the letters aren't just about theology and ethics. They are about getting people to elevate their allegiances to Jesus over their socioeconomic, national, ethnic, and gender boundary lines. Ooh, that'll preach. The letters aren't just about theology or ethics, but about getting people to elevate their allegiance to Jesus over their socioeconomic, national, ethnic, and gender boundary lines. So we're going to miss Romans. And we're jumping right into one of these letters. Where Paul is trying to remind this church of Corinth that he founded to remember the adjacent possible. To remember that one walked out of the tomb and everything changed. And so we can no longer, if we are his church, if we are his body, we can no longer operate in the old, we've cut the rope and we're moving into the adjacent possible. I want you to see this. Uh, it, he breaks this down in, in, in a bunch of different ways, in five different ways. We're just going to quickly look at a couple and then really hone in on a third. You begin to see this all through the book of 1 Corinthians. I got so excited preparing for this. I think we'll have to do a series on 1 Corinthians here soon. But right at the beginning, we begin to see uh, that there are some struggles with leaders, lovers, and liturgy. I just needed some alliteration for, for this week. First thing that, the first way that the church is forgetting the adjacent possible is they, they start getting excited about different leaders. Corinth was a major metropolitan area. It was a port town, kind of like New York. So lots of people coming from all over the Roman world. And so that same with preachers. Paul was there. He had founded this little church. But then a, a guy named Apollos came in. And I hear he was a great preacher. And then Peter, uh, the apostle Peter, the, you know, the one that was with Jesus, he also came through. And so the church became divided around leaders. I know that's hard for you to believe. Some were saying, oh, Apollos is great. And, and some were saying, Paul is, is the greatest. And some were saying, Peter is the greatest. And they began to even torment one another and complain about one another and kind of talk smack to each other around leaders. And Paul really quickly goes at them and says, no, that's not the adjacent possible you may have different leaders. We don't get focused on leaders because the one who is in the center, elevate your allegiance to the one who's in the center, and that's Jesus. The one who walked out of the tomb and changed everything. 
So stop doing that. We can't do that. We're not about that. Let's move to that next slide there. Later, then he goes on, and we'll look at, at lovers, leader, leaders, and then we move on to lovers. I know this is kind of strange, but this was a part of the culture in Corinth. One, there was this strange guy who was, well, the kids are all out there. He was sleeping with his mother-in-law. And Paul, and they were, and some of them were still going to the temples to worship, which involved prostitution. And they were couching it all in, well, because of Jesus, we're free. We can do whatever. And Paul comes back in and reminds them, wait a minute, wait a minute. We are elevating our allegiance to Jesus, the one who walked out of the tomb and made the adjacent possible possible. Even Romans say it's not good. You know, Romans who pray to a bunch of different gods, they don't think it's a good idea to sleep with your mother-in-law. That is not a good witness. And if you're going over here and doing all of this here, then people are going to say, oh, well, it's okay to worship Jesus as just one more of the gods. But Paul says, no, our allegiance is to him and him alone. And he says, since our bodies will be resurrected, what you do with your body matters. And that still stands today. But that's not today's sermon. Lastly, we'll look at liturgy. That's just a fancy word that means the church service. Now, I need you to understand, because we have this, what we're doing today, really fixed as what we understand by church service. But a church service in the ancient times was much different and way more radical. I know it's hard for you to believe because we, we just assume that you can come in here and it doesn't matter what you look like, how much money you make, what color your skin is, where you were born. We want you here. That's true. We sing it every week. You belong here. That's only because the adjacent possible actually became possible. But in the day of the Corinthian church... That, in that society, would have never been heard of. The classes were so distinct, and they did not mix, and they did not get together, and they did not speak, and they did not use the same sides of the streets. If you were a slave to your master, you didn't even look them in the eye. But the church that Paul had created, that Paul had had gotten together, that Jesus created and Paul called together, slaves and masters ate at the same table. And we think of a place like this as one, you know, no no windows and nobody can say see in here. This wasn't something they did behind closed doors. It most likely happened in a wealthy merchant's home. And what would happen is just beyond where the, the market was, you would go into a courtyard and in there would be the church. And in that little time when they were meeting together, poor and rich, Jew and non-Jew, People from all different ethnic backgrounds, people of all different colors, they would come together and they would worship together and they would do this radical thing. They would call each other brother and sister. 
And they would eat from the same loaf of bread. And they would drink from the same cup. This never, ever happened. It was scandalous in the Roman day and age. And so you can imagine it would be easy for people steeped in that culture to forget the adjacent possible to slide back into old habits. And this is probably what Paul is addressing, that the merchants needed to get back to business and the servants were still having to do their chores from wherever. So let's not wait on them. Let's go ahead. And then while we're at it, man, I'm really hungry here. And so I'm just going to eat, you know, more of the bread than I should. And, oh, wow, that, that wine is really good. And, and you know, it's a good vintage. I, I, mean, I don't know what you do with it. Um, and they were getting drunk. And so does this bring new meaning when Paul says, when Paul says in verse 17 in the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings are doing more harm than good. He goes on and he says, when you gather, you're not, you're not eating the Lord's table. You're following your own table. He says, I will not praise you for this. You're allowing someone who is to be your brother and your sister, someone who is a part of the church, the organization, someone who is a part of the adjacent possible, you are leaving them out. And that's something that Jesus would never do. If you don't believe me, look at what he says. I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. There was one person that also took bread with him. It was the one who betrayed him. Judas. And if Jesus at his table would include his betrayer, the adjacent possible means you cannot leave someone out. They are your brother. They are your sister. Your allegiance has to be the one who walked out of the tomb and made the adjacent possible. Now this begins to get us closer. I told you I wanted wanted this to be good news. He goes on. I know, he says, therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of of the Lord. And a person ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink the cup. He is not wanting you to do some spiritual navel gazing five minutes before you take the bread and the cup. What does it mean to eat in an unworthy manner, church? It means to leave someone out. Because Jesus walked out of the tomb, the adjacent possible is possible. And that means you are invited to his table. I say this every time we take communion. The only requirement for taking communion is to be hungry for the Jesus who walked out of the tomb and made the adjacent possible possible for every person on the planet. 
And for us to look at someone else and say you're not worth waiting on or you're not worthy to come to this table is the way that we eat in an unworthy manner. We are invited, no matter your status, no matter your rank, no matter your title, no matter your age, no matter your color, no matter your background, if you are hungry for the one who walked out of the tomb and made the adjacent possible possible, you are invited. And this challenge is to religious people who look around before they take bread and say, I'm better than so-and-so. I can't believe they're drinking judgment on themselves. To enter the table cutting someone off is to drink and eat in an unworthy manner. I hope that's good news for you. But this is also a challenge for us, folks. Because I know, it's hard to believe, we still do this. So how are you, folks online, how are you forgetting the adjacent possible? Maybe even resisting the adjacent possible. I began to think, oh God, as I was was looking, I, I want to examine myself. Where are the places where I might be cutting someone off or not waiting for them to come to the table? Where do I do those things? Where do I divide and separate? I'm just going to give you a couple. Do you forget about the adjacent possible because of forgiveness? Or maybe I should say unforgiveness. Someone has done something to you, said something to you, said something about you, done something. And if you were to sit across the table from them and you got to choose who sat there, could they sit there? got quiet. It did in my house. got real quiet. I said, oh God, help me to forgive like you forgave me. Is that where there's some division? Can you dare to pray, oh God, bring them to the table and let me think of them as brother and sister? I know I always have to put in that caveat. I know people deal with abuse and trauma, and and that's hard. And forgiveness, I believe, is a process. But when we come to the table, we at least pray, oh God, help me. Help me to even begin to want to want to forgive and to live into that. For some of us, it's not forgiveness. Some of it's fear. It's fear. I might look silly. I, I don't understand their language or I don't understand their culture. And, you know, how, how can I, you know, I'm just going to back away. Maybe for some of us, don't you know how they vote? They can't sit at this table. And both parties do it, so don't be too smug. (laughs) 
Don't you know? Don't you know? Fear always starts with don't you know? Don't you know? As a way to divide and push away. Faith, forgiveness, fear. What's the last one I'm forgetting? Move to the next slide. Failure. Failure. Sometimes we divide ourselves away from the table because of failure. We think, I'm not worthy. That's those folks who, who hear this verse and think, oh, it's about me, and, and I, I messed up this week, and I said the wrong thing this week, and, and, and I, so I better not. I don't want to eat and drink judgment on myself. The examination is, do you need forgiveness? Do you need grace? Because that's what we believe about the bread and the cup, that God uses ordinary bread and ordinary juice for extraordinary purposes in ordinary people. Don't divide yourself out. Come to the table, brother, sister. Maybe it's someone else who has failed you. Does their failure cause you to push away? Whatever it is, we are called to remember that the one whose table we are called to gather around is the one who walked out of that tomb and made the adjacent possible possible for your life, for my life, and for everyone's life on the planet. And there is no one, no human being, you or me, who is called to push someone away from that table. If they are hungry for Jesus, He wants His table full. And He wants to extend His grace, His mercy, and His forgiveness to them. John Wesley's own mother, Susanna, testified that she received forgiveness. Nowadays we'd say she got saved when she took bread and cup At an altar, she knew that something different had happened inside. That she was welcome to the table. That the adjacent possible was possible for her. And if it was possible for her, it's possible for you. And so I'm going to invite you to the table of the Lord this morning. But I'm going to have you bow your heads and close your eyes. Like I did this week, I'm going to invite you to pause for just a moment and examine yourself. Remember that Paul says in verse 32, when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned. So I'm going to ask you to to ask Jesus right now, Is there someone I've pushed to the margins? Is there someone that I would not want at your table? If the Lord has brought someone to mind, God, help me to forgive. Help me to lean into the adjacent possible 
you could help me to forgive. Is there someone you're afraid of? the adjacent possible that you could get to know them adjacent possible that they could become a friend the adjacent possible that you could invite them to a place like church when it comes to failure your own or someone else's can you ask Jesus Am I pushing someone away from your table because of my failure or theirs? I don't know about you, friends. If I go through that list, it makes me realize how much grace I need and how hungry I am hungry I am for the one who can give it to me. And I'm so grateful that in communion he reminds us over and over and over again that the adjacent possible is possible. You hold the adjacent possible in your hand right now. Paul writes, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you all. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant. In my blood, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Take and drink. Lord Jesus, we're grateful that we could gather at your table today. Help us to discern the body. That's not about a piece of bread and a cup. It's about human beings and who gets to come to the table. And that's everybody because you walked out of that tomb and you made forgiveness and mercy possible for everyone. So may we as a congregation, both here and online, may we remember adjacent possible is just one step away. Give us the courage to make it. We pray that you would elevate our allegiance to you alone, Jesus. May everything else, as Paul would say somewhere else, seem like rubbish compared to knowing you. And may we welcome brothers and sisters, any that you would call into our midst.
For we pray and we ask this in the name of the one who made the adjacent possible possible. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Would you stand and receive this blessing? And now, my brothers and my sisters, all of you and those who are watching online, may you know that because of Jesus, the adjacent possible is possible. I pray that you will discern the body, which means looking who's, who needs to be here. And you'll lean into the fact that Jesus can help you to invite, to forgive, to be unafraid, to love, and to bring someone here. I pray that you'll receive the grace that you're hungry for each and every day. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in strength. Go in his name. Go in his grace. Thank you for being here. Thanks for joining us online. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website.